all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Good morning, Southern Remedy listeners. Welcome to Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Our topic today is oral health. And my guest is Dr. Amy Sullivan, Professor of Dental Hygiene at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Do you have questions about the importance of dental health in your overall wellness plan? How long should you brush and what is the deal with flossing? We want to hear from you today with your questions, comments, and stories. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or send us an email at fit at mpbonline.org. We'll be back after the news. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. Vice President Mike Pence is declaring an end to what he calls a policy of strategic patience on North Korea. NPR's Mara Lyason has that story. Pence made an unannounced visit to the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea on his trip to see Asian allies. Repeating a phrase other administration officials have used, Pence declared the end of strategic patience with the North. The United States and our allies have stood together for a denuclearized Korean peninsula. We hope to achieve this objective through peaceful means, but all options are on the table. Pence's visit comes just a day after a failed North Korea missile launch. The president's national security advisor, H.R. McMaster, says President Trump is determined to prevent North Korea from threatening the U.S. with nuclear weapons. Mara Lyason, NPR News, Washington. Overwhelming expressions of concern from the European Union today on news that Turkish voters have narrowly agreed to grant President Recep Tayyip Erdogan broad executive authorities. Critics warn that gives one person too much power. And international observers have said there are reports they're concerned about about voting irregularities. New Supreme Court Justice Neil Gorsuch will report for his first full week on the job. NPR's Nina Totenberg has the latest. Justice Neil Gorsuch actually takes his seat today and will hear oral arguments in seven cases this week. The most prominent of those is a big church-state case. They've been waiting for a ninth justice because of a very real possibility that this case will turn on his vote. That's NPR's Nina Totenberg. Law enforcement officials do not know the whereabouts of a man who appeared to have killed an elderly man on Sunday and then posted that video to Facebook from WCPN Ideas Stream in Cleveland. Annie Wu has the latest details on the hunt for a suspect 
wanted for aggravated murder. Cleveland police and the FBI have expanded their search into neighboring states for the man they identified as Steve Stevens. Police say he was last sighted at the spot where he's alleged to have killed 74-year-old Robert Godwin Sr. Cleveland Police Chief Calvin Williams says law enforcement spoke with Stevens. Early in this investigation, we did have contact with them, direct contact with our detectives. Uh, They tried to, of course, convince him to turn himself in, and, and of course that hasn't happened to date. Cleveland police say Stevens said he killed multiple others, but they have searched dozens of locations throughout the city, and as of Monday morning, there are no other victims. Police say a woman mentioned in Stevens' video is cooperating with the investigation. For NPR News, I'm Annie Wu in Cleveland. U.S. stocks are trading higher with the Dow Jones Industrial Average up more than 100 points or more than half a percent at 20,555. This is NPR News. That's upbeat tunes from the White House's annual Easter egg roll. Thousands of kids and their families turned out this morning for festivities, including a traditional reading by someone used to addressing a much older crowd on a daily basis. I've been working long and hard with all my peeps and crew. We've made the eggs, and now I'm here to bring them to you. My real name's a secret. My friends call me E.B. It's no secret. That was White House spokesman Sean Spicer. Just in time for tax day, a new survey by NPR and Ipsos asked Americans how they feel about the U.S. tax system. NPR's Danielle Kurtzleben has more. The survey shows some clear partisan splits on tax policy. Democrats overwhelmingly say that rich Americans should pay more in taxes and that poor Americans pay too much. A majority of Republicans also think the richest Americans should pay more, but it's a relatively narrow majority. Republicans also appear to be split on whether poor Americans pay too much. Across the board, the survey shows some big holes in tax knowledge. Around 45% of Americans pay no federal income tax, but most people think that share is much lower. In the 2012 presidential campaign, GOP nominee Mitt Romney famously groused about the size of that non-income tax-paying group. Danielle Kurtzleben, NPR News, Washington. All major market indices are up roughly half a percent. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from Blue Vine, offering businesses revolving lines of credit to help them grow and expand. Credit lines up to $100,000. Small business credit help is available at BlueVine.com and Americans for the Arts at AmericansfortheArts.org. This is Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie Bidwell on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. and welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Assistant Professor of Nursing and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to talk all about 
oral health, which is your teeth, folks, your teeth and your mouth. So any questions you have out there about oral health, going to the dentist, getting your teeth cleaned, we want to talk with you about that today. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And I have a great friend and colleague in the studio with me today, Dr. Amy Sullivan, who is a professor of dental hygiene at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Josie. I'm so glad that you're here with me today. And, you know, I think this is a topic that people kind of brush over. They say, oh, well, yeah, I brush my teeth. You know, I brush them. I may floss every now and then. But really, dental health and, and oral hygiene plays so many roles in multiple facets of our health. And we want to talk with you about those today. And so, first of all, I just want to hear you know about dental hygiene because we usually just think this is the lady that cleans my teeth in the dentist's office. But it's really more than that. What, what does a dental hygienist do? Okay, Josie, thanks for having me today. Oh, yeah. Um, I love to tell you about what dental hygienists do. And unfortunately, most people do think, well, that's just the girl who cleans my teeth. We do a lot more. We educate our patients. We also are the ones, not the ones, um, because assistants can do this too, but we take x-rays, we do polishing. But the important thing that we do is scale um, calculus, which most people know as tartar, below the gums. And we do that um, with our patients. Yeah. And, you know, you're also big educators as well. Yes. So I kind of almost see dental hygiene as the counterpart to nursing a lot of the time because that's what nurses do. You know, it's not often what's seen a lot as what a nurse's job is, but we're health educators. We're there to sure. to sit with you, talk with you and educate you about your health. And that's really a role of dental hygiene as well. And I think that's probably the most important focus of our job. We have to teach patients how to clean and get the bacteria out of their mouth. Yep, because that, that ultimately is what's going to lead to the poor dental health and the other problems that develop as as that progresses. And we have a caller already this morning, uh, Hannah from Gulfport. Good morning, Hannah. Yes. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? We're great. Thank you so much for giving us a call. What can we help you with today? Yeah, um, I had a question about there's a new toothpaste going around Okay. Um, I think it's a direct sales kind of thing, and it's called like AP twenty four. Or, and I was wondering if you've heard of that, and if you think um, it's good for your teeth. I've heard both. I've heard that it's like scraping rocks on your teeth. Well, that, that sounds terrible. <laughs> but then I've heard from other people that it's like a perfect toothpaste. Okay. So I was wondering if you've heard about that, um, and what you think about it. Okay, I know a little bit about it. I've seen it going around on Facebook, and, you know, not everything on Facebook is accurate. I've not been able to pull up the ingredients on there. Um, What I have heard is that um, there are no whitening agents in there, and I think their main advertising focus is that it whitens your teeth. Um, I do not know. Again, it's it's not something I have in my hand, and I have not seen the ingredient list, Um, but I do not think there are any ingredients in there that actually whiten your teeth. Okay, so there's really no point in getting it for whitening then. <laughs> I think I would stick with, you know, even the over-counter whitening Colgate Crest. So, Amy, if you're looking, if you're looking to, to whiten your teeth, mm-hmm. what are, like, what toothpaste, what's the ingredient in there that would whiten? So, first, I would go see your dentist or dental hygienist first because you have surface stains on your teeth. Um, coffee, tea, blueberries, um, all that is an outside-the-tooth type stain and that can come off um 
through professional cleaning and even your toothpaste that, you know, any of the whitening toothpaste at home can do a little bit of that too. Um, the next step for whitening would be a whitening agent, um, which is going to be like a bleach, a carbamide peroxide or a hydrogen peroxide. Um, and you would need to see a dental professional for those. Um, Crest White Strips offer some um, there's some, some different capabilities. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, right now I would recommend always looking on the back of the toothpaste and making sure it carries that ADA seal. ADA, yes. That means it meets all the qualifications for good dental health, meaning it's got the fluoride inside that's going to protect with your teeth. Yes. And then look for the, you know, extras that you want in there, whether it's a, you know, a sensitivity. Tartar control. And right. ADA means American Dental Association accepted. All right. That's our, our stance on that today, Hannah. Thank you so much for giving us a call. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That, and that's a great point. You know, um, don't get wrapped up in hype. Do your research on that and really make sure that you understand the different ingredients that are coming in something and uh, what that does for your teeth. And my follow-up to that is, you know, dental health is more than just how white your teeth are. You know, that's the kind of what everybody can see and so we think of white teeth as being healthy teeth but not necessarily the case because you can bleach those things but still have That's poor right. dental health and then the gingiva the gums around it also can be inflamed red and you don't want that either right so you want healthy teeth that are the appropriate shade of white if they're glowing that's usually means that you've overdone it with the bleach trays on that all right good morning uh larry in georgia has a question about dental floss hello larry Good morning. How are you? We are doing just great this Monday. How are you? Well, I'm doing so good I can't stand it. Just another blessed day, as every day is. I just love that. It's just bubbling out of you. It is. Well, I've got a couple of... First, first, this is a fantastic topic. Great. And a topic you don't hear much about, honestly. Absolutely. So my first question is on dental floss. I've seen mixed reviews on using dental floss. I want to take your take on using dental floss, number one. Number two, on the whitening toothpaste... Uh, you know, everyone wants to have nice white white teeth, but my understanding is some of those whitening toothpaste can have a destructive effect on your maybe your enamel or your teeth or you know I want to get you take all that. And, and lastly, you know, like for normal, you know, dental you know, cleaning routine, you know, what what kind of activities would you recommend? Like for example, how often should one brush their teeth? For example. Great. Those are all fantastic questions, and I think we can help you with each one of those because we were actually talking about dental floss this morning because I don't know if you saw um, last year there was actually a statement that was released and then got picked up by the media and was everywhere that you just didn't need to floss your teeth. And, you know, it didn't really offer a lot of protection. But if you actually pull that study and that that recommendation, um, it said for people with no fillings and with no gingivitis, that flossing may not add a whole lot to it. And I don't know about you, but I know very few people who don't have any fillings or any kind of, you know, beginning of gum disease. So I'm going to let Dr. Sullivan kind of tackle and kind of piggyback onto this with dental floss. Sure. And I would say I see very few patients that don't at least have gingivitis. Um, So your first question was about flossing. Um, You said you were a flosser. Yay. Congratulations to you on that. Um, I would not change that. I think you should floss every day. Um, 
For the patients that don't already floss, I might recommend something else to clean in between their teeth. Maybe a water flosser, an air flosser, um, an inner dental brush. But we do think you need to remove the plaque out from your mouth by brushing and something in between your teeth. And so Um, you mentioned um, um, the brush and the interdental brushing. Tell us a little bit about what that thing is. Okay, well... Kind of looks like a pipe cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Um, on a stick. Pipe cleaner on a stick. And you just kind of use it to get in and between there. And they have different shapes and sizes. Our, the students call them Christmas tree brushes at school. So some of them have a little Christmas tree shape. But they come from a bigger size to even some very small ones. Um, they have to fit comfortably between the teeth. You don't want to cause any damage to the gingiva. So you can't just go pushing it in between your teeth and make it fit. Um, the water flosser, um, there's water pick and other different kinds, but definitely that has a pressure. It's a pulsating water that um, pushes the plaque out from between your teeth. And then the air flosser would do something similar to that too. It just doesn't have the water irrigating along with it. And then the second question you asked about the whitening toothpaste, which we kind of talked about a little bit, and some of them do have some abrasives in it. So I think you do have to to look out for that a little bit. And my biggest thing that I see as a hygienist with my patients that use whitening toothpaste and maybe even that use even the dentist whitening um, prescription type things is sensitivity. So I think you've got to um, make sure that, that you're using it as prescribed first off. And then if you do get some sensitivity, maybe do the cold water or something like that, that you you might stop using it for a little while and, and go back to your your fluoridated toothpaste um, to provide some um, coverage there. And then I think the last question you asked about your activity, which sounds like you're brushing, um, you're flossing, and that's great. Um, You asked how long to brush. We'd want you to brush for about two minutes a day. Um, And then in the morning and at night would be great. Um, But it really is based on patient needs. So I can tell you to brush and floss every day. But if you come in every six months and you don't have any cavities and you have no signs of gingivitis or periodontal disease, whatever you're doing is working. I'm probably not going to change that for you. Now, if you come in and you have new cavities, I'm going to want to change something. I'm going to find out what what caused that change. Um, Are you drinking more soda? Um, which is probably something we'll talk about too. Um, But did you change toothpaste? Are you making sure you have fluoride in your toothpaste? Are you drinking maybe bottled water that doesn't have the fluoride? So I'd I'd have to find out a little bit more um, about you or about my patient. Um, But I think it sounds like your activity is good if you're brushing twice a day and flossing. Um, So does that answer How's that, Larry? Huh. In fact, I, I've got one fast question. Sure. I want to get, get your opinion between using between brushing your teeth manually and using an automatic toothbrush. What's your What's your opinion on all that? My opinion is not manual. <laughs> we, oh, manual okay. can do it. I mean, it can do it 100%. But yeah. if you have something out there that's better, why not do it? I use, I use an electric toothbrush myself. Can I do oh. it? I'm a hygienist. Sure. I can brush two minutes a day with a you know, hand toothbrush. But why? I, I love my electric toothbrush. Okay, okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Larry. You're you have welcome. a great day. You too. Bye-bye, y'all. Bye. And and I agree with the electric toothbrush. And, you know, I feel much cooler when I use the electric toothbrush. I pretend that it's a microphone. And that's how I get in my two <laughs> minutes of brushing is I actually cut a song on, you know, on my iPod or, you know, on the radio. And I try and brush for 
the time that the song is on, you know, because most songs are around three minutes or so. So I feel like I'll hit somewhere in there. And that gives me a few um, a few seconds to pull out the brush and sing my solo into that <laughs> microphone and just have fun with it. The kid, that's a great way to get your kids yeah. um, to brush their teeth for the recommended time as well is to, you know, crank up some tunes and, and dance it out while you're doing that. A lot of them have timers on them now, yeah. too. Um, they uh, have, uh, I buy the, I think they're Firefly or something like that, and they have like a little light inside of them, and you press it, and it flashes. And it's good when you're teaching your kids, especially about how long to brush, because then it becomes a habit for them to brush for right. that long. Because if you leave your child to their own devices, they will brush for 3.2 seconds. I kid you not, they will slap some toothpaste on there and just literally stick it in their mouth, rub it around, and then spit and be done. And it's just really not enough time. Um, so, you know, I've had folks, uh, other dental professionals have told me, you know, if a kid is under the age of seven, you really should be there supervising them while they brush their teeth. Because kids younger than that just cannot be trusted to brush all their teeth surfaces for the correct amount of time. That's a great recommendation. Yeah. I can totally agree. I have yeah, a six-year-old. Absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break. And if you have uh, questions or comments or stories that you want to talk with us about, about oral hygiene or dental health, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven. Seven seven six seven two seven four six four, and we'll be back after the break. for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. David Letterman was a fixture in our late nights for more than three decades. Author Jason Zinneman says the key to Letterman's charm was his subversion. At the same time, he was accessible. He seemed like a middle American, relatable guy you might know from down the street. David Letterman, the last giant of late night and the latest on the crisis in North Korea. On this afternoon's All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, here today with my guest, Dr. Amy Sullivan, who's a professor of dental hygiene at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're answering your questions and listening to your stories today related to oral hygiene and dental health. We've already had some great calls this morning, and we want to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring Or if you just don't feel like talking, 
go ahead and send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org, and I'll be happy to answer your question right here on the air. And before we left, we kind of were talking about how long you brush your teeth for, and we said, you know, kind of two minutes, and, you know, what does that actually mean? Well, about the length of a song um, will work for you. And we were talking about at what age kids can kind of be left uh, unsupervised to brush their teeth, and I said around seven or eight, and it really depends on your your kid um, that can do that. And we actually were having this conversation in the car on the way to school this morning. My eight-year-old said, why is Campbell such a baby? Which that's my, my smaller child. He's five. He has to have you brush his teeth. And I said, well, friend, when you were five, I had to brush your teeth too, because we've got to make sure that you get all the surfaces of the teeth. And so, you know, I've seen um, pictures that show kind of a circular motion that you use while you brush your teeth. But when you actually watch somebody brush your teeth, they usually just go back and forth sawing on that. Which one is better? Is it that back and forth or is that circle or a combination of the two? Or, you know, what's up with that? What we like to teach most of our patients, and this is adult population, and this is different than you were just talking about kids. I think if they get in there and brush them, that's probably pretty good for a kid. Um, For adults, because the gums come around the teeth, um, there usually are little pockets up in there where that bacteria like to hide. So we like to teach sulcular brushing. So that means getting the bristles up underneath the gingiva and then not scrubbing, but using like a little jiggle, jiggle and then pick it up and move it, stick it back under the gums, jiggle, pick it up and move it and stick it back under the gums and do that all the way around the front and back of your teeth. Kind of on each tooth. On each, well, yeah, if Roughly. you have it horizontally placed, it might be two, might teeth, at two time, teeth at a right. time. That's also where those electric toothbrushes come into play because they sure. usually spin in a circular motion. So some of them spin, oscillate, some of them jiggle for you. So yeah, if you have like the Sonicare, for instance, is one you can cover a couple teeth at a time, put it up under the gums and it does the jiggling for you. Oral-B is another great one. It does the oscillating kind of like the dental office does. It spins around um, and it kind of shakes a little too. It has a side-to-side motion with it too, but under the gingiva, under the gums. And, you know, how often should you change your toothbrush? Oh, that's a great question. You want to change those bristles out. Um, You know, I'd say about every three months, three to four months, you want to change If it's electric toothbrush, you've got to go buy a new head. If it's a toothbrush at home, and then even more, if you get sick or something in between, you need to get a new toothbrush head. That's an excellent point, and I'll talk about that in um, just a second. But, you know, we usually go to the dentist every six months, so don't just wait for that free toothbrush when you go to the dentist. You need to replace that thing before um, before that time. And you mentioned if you get sick. So one in particular, you know, I see a lot of children. Um, and a lot of kids in the school setting. And one thing that always is going around school is strep throat. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, when one kid in the class gets strep throat, all their little friends get it as well. And one thing that we need to make sure that you're doing if your child has strep throat or if you have strep throat is that we're changing the toothbrush. Now, you know, strep throat is uh, contagious for 24 hours after you start antibiotics. So let's say you come see me at 11 o'clock. I diagnose you with strep. I give you a shot of antibiotic. You're contagious and still spreading those germs for another 24 hours. So what I don't like people, what I, what I don't want to see people do is change their toothbrush immediately. Like they leave my office and go get a new toothbrush and use it that night and then continue using it. That brush is still infected. So wait for 24 hours 
and then switch out that toothbrush and and continue that on there. And I think that's something that we may forget to tell people when they're in the office with that. But it's super important that you um, wait that 24 hours before you pick up that new toothbrush. So, Josie, you said something about six months. Um, I just want to comment on that, too, because you said, wait, you don't wait your six months. Yeah, sure. Don't do that for your toothbrush. But six months is not a prescriptive for everybody. So I think when you go to the dentist, a lot of times we say six months because that's what insurance covers. And as a hygienist, we don't want to just say, oh, do what your insurance pays. If you go to the dentist and you have bleeding and you have tartar calculus buildup, Six months is probably too long for you to wait for that appointment. So I just kind of wanted to absolutely just remind you of that, too. And if you guys have questions about, you know, how soon you should see your dentist or what types of products you could be using, we want to talk with you today. We're answering all things oral hygiene and dental health. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. So you mentioned bleeding. Yes. And so I've always heard, and tell me if I'm correct, that if your gums bleed, something's going on, that healthy gums don't bleed. Healthy gums should not bleed. So again, that may be you came in six months for your appointment. Maybe you need to come in more. Maybe you're not flossing or using the interdental aids that we discussed. Maybe you're not brushing under the gums like you're supposed to. Maybe you're scrubbing too hard. Um, so there's there's lots of reasons, but maybe you just have periodontal disease and it needs to be addressed by your dental professional. Right. So if you spit and there's pink, that's kind of your body's clue that says, hey, something's going on. You need you to get it checked some out. inflammation and it needs to be addressed. And so you mentioned the term periodontal disease. And so kind of run me through that. It kind of starts with gingivitis. Tell me what gingivitis sure. is. So gingivitis is bleeding gums. But you do not have any bone loss. So you it's it's reversible at this stage. So you have a little pink in the sink, like we talked about. You have a little bleeding, but the bone is not there. I mean, you have not lost any bone. And we tell that by x-rays and by taking um, probe readings around your mouth and, and getting a, an attachment loss level. And if you have no attachment loss, which is the bone loss that I'm talking about, um, then it's just gingivitis. Once you start having some attachment loss and you look at the x-rays and there's a little bit of bone loss, we move that to periodontal disease. And then it can be stable. You know, once you've lost that bone, you can't put it back without, you know, going through an implant or something like that. Well, not even really an implant. Seeing a periodontist, they might have some options for you. And so that's the reason we get those x-rays, right? One of the reasons we get those x-rays. We, um, you know, usually when you go in, at least for your first um, dental visit, or if you're going with a new dentist, they usually get a set of x-rays. And, you know, it's super attractive. You put that thing in your mouth and it scans around your head and it's taken a panoramic view, right? So it's looking at all those teeth. And so periodontal diseases, one, why else do we get those done? So we, we can also check for cavities. Now, the pan that you talked about is is not not as good at diagnosing cavities. Um, So we also take closer up films. You should probably have a full mouth x-ray about every three to five years. And then we like to take bite wing x-rays, usually annually. Is that that cardboard thing where you put in your mouth and bite down on it? And that gives us a close up view in between the teeth so we can see if there's cavities in between the teeth. Well, I did not know that. See, I always say I learned something every show, and now I know why we have to do that. Now I will not fuss so much about (laughs) having to bite on that thing when we get it uh, done. 
We do have an email um, that has just come in that asks about, again, electric toothbrushes, but is it safe for older people? And what about people with TMJ? So let's start with the older people part of that. And I'll kind of give my um, my view on that. So I think it can be great for older people who have dexterity problems. Mm-hmm. So if you've got rheumatoid arthritis or just really bad regular arthritis or even some of your neuromuscular disorders, maybe multiple sclerosis, something like that, where you have trouble gripping and moving the brush at the same time, then an electric brush may actually allow you to reach more tooth surface and get your teeth cleaner sure. over time. Does that yeah, Makes and sense. a lot of those have the bigger handles already anyway, so dexterity um, it helps them too. I also think some of your older people, maybe in nursing homes that might have caregivers, an electric toothbrush for the caregiver to use on the older patient be able to reach better places. Absolutely. Um, The caveat to that is people on oxygen. So, you know, if people are on oxygen therapy, we try to avoid any of the electronic products that could cause a spark that could catch on fire. So, you know, usually we don't do electric razors with that, electric toothbrushes, anything like that around the face where there's oxygen flowing with that. So now I'm learning from you. Now you're learning from (laughs) me. Look at there. There's a little nursing trick. So, um, and also mentions TMJ. So what is TMJ? So TMJ is temporal mandibular joint. So probably you're asking about the disorder, the TMD. And that's when you have your mouth open a while and that joint actually gets sore. Um, Sometimes you have a clicking or popping of the jaw. And um, I think this would be a good tool. I'm I'm not sure that's all we have for the question, but um, I think an electric toothbrush, you would probably have to leave your mouth open less Less. time if you're using an electric toothbrush. So to me, that would be more helpful. And I don't have true TMD, but I do get like a little catch in my jaw where sometimes it won't open Mm -hmm. all the way. And so an electric toothbrush would probably actually be easier to move around in your mouth if you're having that issue. So I think it's probably a a perfectly fine um, suggestion for that. I know that most dental professionals are just going to tell you whatever it takes to get your teeth clean, get your teeth clean. Um, Because it can cause so many other health problems uh, when we have poor dental hygiene. And so I want to talk about talk about some of those problems that we have with that. You know, um, there's been a lot of talk about the link between oral health and heart health. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you see kind of in, in your literature that you read for, for uh, dental health? So I think the last 10, 15 years, this has been a big push, you know, that there definitely is a link. Um, I've read articles that support it. And then I've even read a couple that say, did they really take into consideration that all the patients have obesity and, and maybe smoking? So um, I don't know that we can say it's a cause, but there's definitely a link. Right, right. And so that's important. You know, if you're reading articles out there about things, there is something called an association, which just means that the two conditions kind of go along together, but it doesn't necessarily mean things are causal or that they are cause of something else. So, you know, for me as a um, you know general healthcare provider, heart health is one of the things that I deal with on a daily basis. You know, my patients are every single one of them, you know, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes, and it's my job to try and lower their risk factors for having a cardiac event, uh, meaning a heart attack or a stroke. So, you know, I work with people to make sure their blood sugars are in the normal range, their blood pressure is in the normal range, and their cholesterol. And so dental health um, 
plays such a role in that. So we mentioned it's associated. And what we mean by that is that we know that people who have had cardiac issues, if we look at those folks, they also have periodontal disease, the majority of them. There's um, actually a study that just came out um, at the beginning of this year that looked at people who had had um, carotid endarterectomies, which that's a big old fancy word for meaning they had that plaque cleaned out of their carotid arteries. Um, which is a marker of um, atherosclerosis, which is, you know, um, artery disease. And they looked at those folks, and at 44 of them had it done, and 39 of them had evidence of periodontal disease. So we know that there is some association there between those things. And they don't really know why it's associated. But one of the leading things that we think may be um, what's out there linking the two is inflammation. So you mentioned, um, you know, inflammation related to gingivitis and periodontal disease. Um, Well, that's things we can see in the mouth. But if you have inflammation in the actual arteries, that makes them more likely to one, make a clot. So just to have a blood clot, or if you already have plaque there, you know, or sticky cholesterol inside your arteries and that um, clot sticks onto it, that's when we can throw those clots and have embolus or stroke or heart attack. So there really is a link there. So even if you think that your teeth are fine, you really need to make sure that you're getting that at least every six months screening with your dental professional to make sure that your gums and your teeth are the healthiest they can be because it is really affecting other body systems as well. I like to say it's a snapshot for me when I look at the patient's mouth and I, and I look in there, it's like a little snapshot of the whole overall health, the whole body. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, um, it's such a unique opportunity to see an area of the body that most people don't get a chance to look at. True. But you really can tell other things in there. Even just the color of the the mucosa inside the mouth can point to certain things. You know, if somebody's super pale in there. Right. Maybe they're they're getting all their vitamins. Right. Maybe they're anemic, something like that. Um, Or if you see poor tooth enamel or teeth that are eroding, do they have some other kind of vitamin mineral deficiency that's going on? Or are they bulimic? Right. Something like that. Um, So... Super important for just overall health to get that done. If you have questions about overall dental health, we'll be happy to answer those questions. Or if you have um, recommendations for our fellow listeners, we want to hear those too. Give us a call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send me an email at fit at mpbonline dot org. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. 
You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This week on Ampton Wired, Seth Power. I never had like the dream of being like, you know, the next this, that, or the other. Uh, it wasn't until a few years ago that I started writing songs that I thought other people would listen and identify with this. Ampton Wired, watch it loud, Friday at 10 on MPB Television. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Here today with my guest, Dr. Amy Sullivan, dental hygiene at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And we're answering your questions today about oral hygiene and dental health and how that really should play a role in your overall wellness journey. And we have uh, had some great callers and emails today, and we would love to hear from you. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Or if you don't want to talk, you can give me a, uh, an email at fit at mpbonline.org and we'll be happy to answer those questions. Now, before we went to the break, um, uh, actually, I had wanted to talk about sealants and fluoride content. And we are going to get to that in just a moment. So if you have uh, questions about you know, fluoride supplements or the use of fluoride, you can give us a call and we'll be happy to answer that. But we are going to go to the phone lines because we have a call from Michelle in Biloxi. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning. How are you? We are doing just fine. How are you? I'm doing great today. Good. Now, how can we help you today? Um, I've had a massive amount of dental work done. Okay. I've literally gone through a full mouth restoration, and I'm waiting to have more work done. I need several implants. Um, one of my crowns, one of my front teeth, has actually started to go gray a little bit, okay. and I can see the edge of the crown. Like, my gum has started to recede a little bit. I've been brushing. I'm not bleeding I was just wondering uh, what are going to be some of the implications of that crown going gray. Am I going to need to go in? Do I have a cavity forming possibly? Uh, What are some things I can do to kind of stop what's going on with that? Okay, so my understanding, what I'm hearing you say is the tooth actually has a crown on it. Yes, ma'am. But yet the tooth is going gray. Yes. So underneath the crown is going gray or above where the gums are receding you notice that going gray that's going gray it's kind of spreading from the uh, base of the crown about halfway down to the base of the front tooth and you have not had any endodontic treatment with that crown i've had root canals on all of those um that one i've only had one root canal i've had retreatments on other molars but I just noticed it about the last three months that this has started. So I think this probably is, is a little out of my realm, but I'll, I'll give you just what I think. Um, 
So an endodontist, obviously, if you've had the tooth already treated with endo, um, when the tooth, um, I guess, is damaged enough that you need to have some kind of endodontics, um, sometimes we'll say that it's dead. An endodontist would never say a tooth is is dead unless it was sitting on the table. But what happens is the blood supply isn't going to that tooth anymore. And so it does not have the same color. You can get a darkness to the tooth. But to me, if you've already had that done um, and then you have a crown over it, you know, I've seen sometimes where they've they've taken bleach and gone in through the back of the tooth. But if you already have a crown on it, that's that's not going to help you. So I, I I guess I would check with your yeah, dental my provider. Gut on that. would say that if that crown is kind of kind of slipping, like she says it, you know, kind of got an edge, that there may be some decay kind of right behind Could that be. area that you know you may have gotten you know some little food particle or something caught right. behind there that has started to decay and that's given it that grayish coloration shining Could through be. the crown. And just because you have a crown doesn't mean you can't get decay on the tooth any longer. Right. So right. that would be, that's what my gut is telling me is that you've probably got some decay going on right around that edge and that's kind of seeping underneath the edge of that crown. Um, mm-hmm. So either way, it's a trip to the dentist um, to, yeah, you know, to get that. Some of those crowns are porcelain fused to metal. And so sometimes you can see a metal edge. Now, if the gums maybe used to cover over an area and they've receded up, you might see a little bit of that metal edge. So that could be something too. But I, I think without looking, yeah, you're just going to have to... Your best bet is just going to be yeah. to get it checked out. But that that's what I'm thinking it, it's going to be is, is a little bit of decay behind that. Okay. And what are some ways that I can actually promote my, my gum line to stop receding other than just brushing on a regular basis? Is there anything else I can do? Well, you said it. I think definitely the frequent, you know, recall appointments, but I think the technique in which you're brushing and a lot of people do that scrubbing technique that Josie talked about earlier in this segment. You don't want to do that horizontal side to side brushing. You want to make sure you stick it in the gingiva, jiggle it, but then pick it up to move it so that you don't increase that um, gum loss there. Yeah, so you're not causing trauma to the gum. You're just trying to clean underneath it. But right. Not, and then you yeah. do want to make sure you're getting your teeth clean regularly because we have special instruments that we clean under the gums and make sure we get all that um, bad bacteria, calculus underneath there. So, all right. All right. Does that help, Michelle? It sure does. And just everybody that's listening, make sure you take care of your teeth. Yeah, that's right. Thank take you. care of those teeth. Thank you so much, Michelle. And you have a great day and rest of your week down in Biloxi. You too. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. And you know she's so right. Take care of your teeth because you know that's it's the only set you got. You mm-hmm. know. Now my kids will say, "Why do I have to brush these teeth?" Because <laughs> I get another set. I get another <laughs> set. And you know, really, and I see a lot of kids who have a lot of of cavities in their baby teeth. You know, is there? What's the danger of uh, when we have bad baby teeth? Does that, what's it do? Oh. oh, absolutely. You can still have danger. You can still have infection. Um, I think even a couple of years ago, there was a child who died from having a tooth infection. Um, so you definitely want to get that taken care of. It could even be considered child abuse or neglect as well. Um, so I won't get into that too much. I had this discussion with my sister just last week um, who her children seem to be getting a lot of cavities. Um, and I recommended definitely going in more frequently and her supervising the brushing and then making sure she used a fluoridated toothbrush and even calling her dental professional to get a prescription um, fluoride tablet yeah. too. And, you know, what I try and tell folks is that, you know, your permanent teeth or your adult set, they're in there. You know, they don't just magically 
sprout. Those teeth are, are in there. And so if you don't take care of the baby teeth on top and they decay and rot and get inflamed, it can scar the teeth underneath and and those teeth can actually come out discolored or um, misshapen. Mm-hmm. So you got to take care of the baby teeth, too, um, even if they're going to fall out. And they hold the place for the permanent tooth. And so that's really important. If you don't want to have to pay for braces later, that you want to make sure you take care um, of those baby teeth or at least have a space maintainer if they have to be taken out, um, something to hold the place for those permanent teeth. Right. So I've got somewhere to come in and grow and be nice and pretty and straight. I've decided I had braces twice as a child because I didn't wear my retainer. Like uh, That's a lifelong <laughs> commitment. It is. And so um, I try and tell my kids, I'm like, now, come on, do what we got to do because, you know, you don't want to have to do that, you know, and have them twice. But um, you mentioned fluoride and prescription fluoride. And so what I want to talk about is the fluoride content of our water, because um, first, tell me what fluoride does. You know, why do we say, make sure there's fluoride in your toothpaste, all that kind of stuff? What's it do? Well, it helps fight against cavities. And so it is something important. Um, And it is in water, in public water systems. Um, So you've got to really check your public water and see where it is. And if you don't know, your dental professional can check that out for you. But the problem is that One, we don't drink a lot of water. We're drinking sodas and Cokes and juice. Um, And then um, we drink a lot of bottled water when we do drink water. Exactly. Thank you. That's where I was going. So bottled water, you know, it's easy. We just run in the store and grab bottled water. Bottled water does not have fluoride in it. And so it it can't help protect those, protect us against cavities. So you can go to the health department website and you can search your water um, fluoride content there and you can see the recommended amount of fluoride in water and if your um, public water system does that um, and if it does yay good to go make sure that you're drinking um, water from that if you have concerns about the safety of your water that information is also posted there as well or you can use some of the commercial um, water filter systems to kind of purify that water for you but all of your traditional commercialized bottled water does not have fluoride in it. And so as a healthcare provider that sees a large number of children, I've actually started to see more and more tooth decay in the younger kids. And when I ask uh, mom or dad, you know, what kind of water they're drinking, Mm -hmm. um, it's largely bottled water. So if you cannot drink your city water for some reason, then you need to speak to your healthcare professional about a fluoride, about fluoride drops or some kind of supplementation for that to make sure that we're protecting our teeth as much as we can. Right. It's, you know, they can prescribe a prescription toothpaste. It could be a gel cam. It could be a night type thing. And they can even prescribe tablets. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So we want to make sure that we're getting that done. It's an easy um, fix. Easy fix in there. And, you know, it's fluoride is also that um, really gross stuff that they make you swish and spit at the dentist's office. So, but it is super important. If you have questions about fluoride or about taking care of your teeth as you age, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. And we'll be back after the break.
From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Hi, I'm Sharita Brent. On In Legal Terms, the focus is always you and your rights. From Miranda rights to civil rights, our legal experts will inform you of your right to do or not to do according to the law. Join us Tuesday mornings at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPV Think Radio. can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show fit at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I am your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMC, here with my guest, Dr. Amy Sullivan, dental hygienist at UMC. And we have been answering your questions today about dental hygiene and oral health. And we've had some great calls and questions that have come in today, but there is still a few minutes to get your calls or comments in. If you uh, have something that you want to ask us or tell us, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, one thing I wanted to make sure that we covered was a topic of dental sealants, because I know that is something that's off, often mentioned at you know, well child visits is getting a sealant for um, your child's teeth. What, what are we sealing that with? What is that sealant? Okay, so it is a protective resin. What I like to say, it's like a little plastic covering or like a raincoat over the teeth because most of the time it's our kids that are getting sealants, but adults can get them too. So if you look in your mouth, they're not smooth surface teeth everywhere. They're bumpy. There's grooves and pits and fissures. And, you know, they're grooves that plaque and bacteria can get in. And so we want to cover that up, cover it up before the plaque gets in there. I love that you just called it a raincoat for your teeth. Raincoat. That is amazing. And I will always think of it that way. Um, so if it's something that you're interested in, you can always ask your primary care provider about a sealant and they can get you in touch with a dental professional that can do that for you. But it's a great, you know, I, I try and think about all the things that I can do for my kids while I still have control of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is something, just an extra layer of protection that I can give them, knowing that they may eat something that's not as great for their right. teeth or drink something that's not as great for their teeth and are, you know, hit and miss on on their brushing techniques from time to time. So most of the time we seal molars. And a lot of times you'll hear six-year-old molars when they come in, once they come up above the gums a little bit enough, that they're, they're, the saliva is not there too much. Um, you can put a raincoat over it then. And then 12-year-old molars, when they come in, you can do the same thing. That's great. Fantastic. Oh, and we've got several calls on the line, so, and both from Alabama. Well, we're going to go to Joan in Alabama. Good morning, Joan. Hello. How are you? Which part of Alabama? Fairhope, Alabama. All right. Well, what can we help you with from Fairhope, Alabama today? Well, I have the habit of eating of eating almonds every morning with my vitamins and my uh, coffee and so on. And I've 
noticed some jagged edges on my top of my teeth, so I wonder if I'm destroying my teeth. Okay. Well, I've actually acquired a taste for almonds recently myself. Well, they're great for your heart, so kudos to both of you on the almond front for that. Um, What I have found, and as I have fractured a tooth eating almonds recently, um, so maybe check and make sure you didn't fracture some of the tooth off. They are very hard and crunchy, um, Mm -hmm. and you can break teeth. And they can file that down if it's just kind of a little broken piece, correct? Oh, that's good to know. Can they do that? It depends if it's just in the enamel or not. Okay, if it's just in the enamel, they can kind of file that down a little bit. If it's bigger than that, you'd have to get... Right. Uh, what would they put on top of that, Amy? Well, depending how much, it could even require a crown. A crown. So I would tell you that slivered almonds and sliced almonds may be a better option for you than the whole almond because the slivered ones um, are, they're kind of shaped a little bit bigger than a toothpick. And so it'd be uh-huh. much easier to chew for you from that perspective. And then also almond butter. Um, is another good option. So I don't want you to give up your nuts because they're great for you. They're a good source of good, healthy fat, but I don't want you breaking all your teeth. And I might add, be careful with the chocolate almonds, which are the ones I'm, you know, leaning towards because they um, have sugar and the frequency, especially if you're eating on the almonds throughout the day, the frequency of when you have that sugar, if you have it more than one time a day, is not good. All right. Thank you, Joan. Now we're going to go to Summer in Alabama with a question about kids grinding their teeth. Good morning, Summer. Hi. Hi. What can Uh, we help you with? um, I have a three-year-old daughter, and, I mean, nearly every night she grinds her teeth, and I just don't know what to do about that. Okay. Amy, do you have any tips on, on kids grinding their teeth? You know, usually when there's grinding, we think of stressful situations. Um, With kids at three, I just don't know what would be so stressful in their life. Right. But, I mean, it very well could be, you know, if there's been, you know, a change in, you know, family structure or a move or start in school, all those things can manifest them in stress. Um, I would recommend if you... If you're using a regular dentist, try and find a pediatric dentist who maybe has a little bit more specialty in taking care of kids that young. Um, I know as they get older, sometimes there are some devices and things that we can wear, but we certainly don't want to be putting anything in a a little kiddo's mouth that's that age with that. And then maybe it's just the timing of when the teeth are coming in and developing. Developing with that. it for a really long time. Yeah, I would definitely recommend a pediatric dentist um, to see if there's something going on in there that they can help with. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And very, very quickly, we're going to go to Bill in Oxford just because it's Oxford and I love it. Good morning, Bill. Oh, hello. Uh, Yes. Uh, My question has to do with um, whether uh, a person still needs to take antibiotics prior to a dental procedure after having had uh, mitral valve collapse uh, corrective surgery. Okay. I had that done about 16 years ago. Okay. And uh, at that time, it was advised that I always take uh, an antibiotic prior to having my teeth cleaned or have a filling done or anything like that. So right. uh, what, what's the current uh, view on that? So it's a little bit more relaxed than it used to be. Um, if you have not had the corrective surgery, if you just have regular mitral valve prolapse, then a lot of dentists are getting away from doing the the, the 
prophylactic antibiotic treatment. I have mitral valve prolapse and I no longer have to take antibiotics before that. But if you've actually had heart surgery or you have any kind of implantable device or any kind of mechanical heart valve, anything like that, a lot of dentists are still recommending that you stay on and do the antibiotics beforehand. So this would be a conversation you need to have with your regular health care provider that did your surgery as well as your dental professional to make sure that, that, that you um, get that taken care of. So yours is a little bit more of an individualized case. Mm-hmm. So I hope that helps. And gosh, we've had a great Monday answering your questions about dental health. If you did not get in a question, you can email me at fit at mpbonline.org. And thank you, Amy, thank for being you, on Jersey. the show today. Appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And we'll see you back next week on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit.